Sports Show is on the air, 580 AM, 96.7 FM, or streaming live anywhere in the world on WK2iSports.com. However you're listening, hope you're having a killer Thursday, and thanks for joining the show, being here, taking part. I certainly appreciate it. I just wrapped up my first week of classes at UWL, and there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. What One, I'm done with class for the week. Brewers took two out of three from the Cubs. I'm going to try to find a way to turn that into a positive, although everybody seems to be making that into a negative after the Brewers lost last night because they didn't get the sweep, and they couldn't close it to two games, so they sit four games back. After a pretty impressive series, you're obviously left with the loss as the taste in your mouth at the end of the series, as Brewers fans often have been this year. They've not done well closing out series, but we have to look forward to the Packer game on Sunday as well. And we can't forget about Badger football on Saturday. But because the Brewers are in a pennant race, and I'm excited, and I haven't had that first taste of Packer football, I think as soon as I have that taste on Sunday night, I'm going to be all in. And that doesn't mean we're going to abandon the Brewers. But right now, I am just locked into the Brewers, having a blast watching, and having a blast talking about them as well, which I don't know if I would have said two months ago. Normally, I'm ready for football season. And it's not that I'm not excited. I am. But I'm loving Brewers right now as well. I hope you are as well. And Cubs fans, I want to appeal to you today as well. On Tuesday, which was the last time I was on the air, I on the Eagles live from the Eagles Nest was on yesterday. On Tuesday, we were being fans. We were being being Brewers fans, right? Anybody who was listening, anybody who was chiming in, we were being Brewers fans. And a lot of you did chime in on Tuesday, and thank you for that. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. Send me a text or call in if you want to talk for a little bit. You can also tweet at me, at Grant or at WKTY, or both. Lots of ways to join the program. Getting better each and every day. A lot of involvement on Tuesday, and that makes the show that much better. Sorry, Cubs fans, on Tuesday, we're being fans. We might have been a little bit obnoxious, but today, if there are Cubs fans out there and you are listening, I would love to hear from you as well, because I think we could use some good perspective after the Brewers take two of three games. I know Brewers fans wanted a sweep. I wanted a sweep, and it was a big swing. They get the sweep, and it's two games, and all of a sudden, the Brewers are right there, especially with more games coming up against the Cubs. But because of the loss, they slipped to four games back, That doesn't sound nearly as good. Doesn't look nearly as good when you look at the standings. Today, I want to be the guy who's not overreacting. I was listening to to the post-game show last night. I was obviously taking a pulse on Twitter, talking to as many people as I could. People were upset, and I think rightfully so, about a couple things last night. But all in all, when the Brewers started the series against the Cubs, they were five games back. And I don't think anybody envisioned... The division was an option. I think at that point, most Brewers fans last week or a couple days ago were all in for the wild card, and that had become their focus. And then when they won the first two games, Brewers fans all of a sudden felt like they had a grasp on what could be the division. And then when they lost yesterday, it slips farther and farther away, right? But I want to have some perspective in the fact that they're in a great spot in the wild card. They gamed a game on the Cubs, and they won two out of three. Two of them in pretty impressive and fun fashion. I think you Brewers fans will agree with me, right? So I don't want to overreact. I don't want to say the sky is falling because the Brewers are still in great position for the wild card. And let's face it, a week ago, I don't think most of us were thinking about the division. So it's not like it's not like it's been lost from us. It's not like it's been ripped away. It's something that wasn't really on my radar a week ago when we were talking Brewers on this very program. Yesterday, I was frustrated for a couple of reasons, and I want let's talk about that. Let's get into that right now. So Shasin starts Quintana for the Cubs. Both have been very good, and both have been very good against each other. Shasin, a good record against the Cubs. Quintana, with the exception of that last game, part of that two-game set that the Brewers had a while back against the Cubs, has been fantastic as well. 
So you, you feel good about both arms going yesterday. And Shasin, I don't think, really got a fair shake. He went four and two-thirds innings, gave up three earned runs, four runs ultimately come across the plate while he was on the mound. And all of them on uh, during that fourth inning. And it was frustrating to watch because that the Brewers fell back into what we had seen in Brewers-Cubs games all year long. Sloppy defense, not taking advantage of opportunities when they had them. And it's not necessarily errors, although there were errors involved. Most of the runs were earned, but letting Javier Baez... The free spirit that he is, that everybody loves. I know we all love El Mago, even though most Cubs fans don't watch the games. MLB and the Cubs Twitter account puts out videos of El Mago, and we all retweet it, and we and we get crazy over it. Wow, he's such a free spirit. He plays the game the fun way. Well, really, the Brewers bailed him out yesterday. Should have been thrown out, and he had a couple ugly strikeouts because he doesn't like to shorten up his stroke. Bill Schroeder, The Rock, was talking about that yesterday, and I know Cubs fans hate to hear that. I was talking to my buddy who I did a podcast with earlier today. Javi Baez is that free spirit, and the Brewers bailed him out on the base pass a couple of times yesterday, which was frustrating on, on multiple levels. Number one, because you get the Cubs fans gloat about Javi Baez, who is the sweet child of the MLB this year and is probably going to win MVP. Not saying he's not deserving. You saw that, and then you saw Eric Kratz unable to secure a strikeout at home plate. You saw the ball get thrown all over the infield, even by the sure-handed pitchers like, or not pitchers, fielders like Orlando Arcia and Lorenzo Cain yesterday. That's that's just frustrating. Yelich didn't start. A lot of people were upset about that, and I was too. When I saw the roster, when it was first released yesterday, I noticed that there was no Yelich, and of course my first reaction was frustration, and I'm sure yours was as well. I didn't tweet about it. I went to Twitter to see what others were saying. I didn't tweet about it. I, I gave it a minute, and I thought, you know what, and... I, I'm, I'm not really exaggerating. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I thought, you know what? If anybody knows the status of Christian Yelich and how bad he may or may not need a day off, it's Craig Council. And Craig Council's not an idiot, as, as much as we sometimes treat him like one. He's not an idiot. He knows how well Christian Yelich is hitting and how important this game is. If Christian Yelich didn't desperately need a day off yesterday, Council's not going to sit him because he's Loves the novelty of Aaron Perez being able to play outfield. That's not why he sat him. So I'd like to think that Council has enough smarts and enough perspective, of course, much more than I, to leave him out of the lineup yesterday. And I think some of you understand that as well. Although taking the pulse, I, I think a lot of you were just saying, kind of like I was feeling, Yelich has got to be in that ballgame. I don't care. If he can play, he needs to play. I do think yesterday, Council may have tried to get a little bit cute, knowing that the off day was today trying to shape his lineup to to squeak as much out of that off day. But the Brewers have a couple off days. It's not like their schedule down the stretch is miserable. So I, I don't know. I think Council tried to get a little bit cute, although I'm not going to lose sleep over Christian Yelich not being in the lineup yesterday. He did have a hit coming in. I'd like to think that the Brewers had a shot to win that game. And what was frustrating was they had Quintana on the ropes early. They had runners on the base paths late and they failed to score some runs. And most of the game, it didn't really feel like that was a big deal. But of course, you get to the ninth inning, it's a two-run game. And you're saying, wow, they had opportunities. They had opportunities, right? And it's funny. Rem- remember, if you were listening on Tuesday, I was talking about my roommates. Neither of which are big baseball fans. They're both wrestlers here at UW Lacrosse. Most of their baseball knowledge and comments come from the movie Moneyball, which they both love. And yesterday, I get home last night. I was here for the Brewer game at the station. And I get home... And my roommate, Logan, watched the Brewer game. I had been forcing them to watch Brewer games kind of with me. And they tuned in and watched last night. I was like, heck yeah. That away, guys. And he said, you know what, Grant? 
And this is a guy who, who not a Brewers fan. He considers himself a Twins fan, but doesn't watch baseball. Logan looks at me when I get home and said, yeah, the Brewers left a lot of runners on base last night. And I said, Logan, welcome to being a Brewers fan. You got it. But, you, you got it. He says, man, they had a lot of runners in scoring position that they left on the bases. I said, there you go. My entire life, and most people's entire life of being a Brewer game, you got the gist of it in one night, Logan. And you're not a baseball fan. Man, they left a lot of runners on base. Yep. And they always have, and it seems like they always will. Because that's just what the Brewers do. It was frustrating, but I'm not overreacting. That's my take today. Not overreacting. Maybe you are. Let me know. 608-796-2558. Shoot me a text. Or give me a call. You can also tweet at me at Keystroke or Grant or at WKTY or both. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next, I want to talk rivalry. Because that's been the narrative between the Cubs and the Brewers. Is this a rivalry? We have comments from a couple players. The manager's getting involved as well. So I want to talk about that coming up. And maybe you have thoughts as well. Please let me know. And then coming up at 5.30, we're going to talk to Bart Winkler, morning show host from 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee, to get his pulse on this rivalry or non-rivalry, depending on how you think. Kind of check the pulse of the Brewers fans down there. I know you guys on this side of the state have been, I I mean, I'd I'd get booed off the air if that was possible for not talking Brewers. You guys have been so excited all summer, and that's fantastic, considering we're three hours from Milwaukee and three hours from Miller Park. We're going to take that pulse from him. I also want to talk, like I said, about the rivalry, and we'll also get ready for Packers-Bears because that's a rivalry game. It's the oldest standing rivalry in the NFL. I think you Probably have to say that it's a rivalry. I don't think there's any way around it. I want to talk about that. That's coming up at 5.30. And then I do want to close with some Packers talk as well. A lot of good stuff on the way. No need to go anywhere. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I am your host, Grant Bills. Happy Thursday, everybody. Phone lines are dead quiet today. I had high hopes after you guys were so fired up on Tuesday, but that's fine. Plenty of time to still get in while we're talking Brewers. I'm not going anywhere. 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. I want to talk rivalry. I know it's been done to death, and I think it's kind of a dumb debate. You might agree with me, but it's something I want to cover. A war of words of sorts being exchanged, not only with Brewers players, Cubs players, but also looking at... Managers even getting involved. Joe Madden saying his piece. So if you haven't been following this Brewers-Cubs rivalry chatter, I'll fill you in. Not to not at length, but I'll fill you in. So after game one, Cole Hamels doesn't take the loss, but gets the start, and the Cubs don't win. He gets a no decision, I believe, because the Brewers walked off. That's right. So what eventually happened was Cole Hamels goes to the podium after the game, or, or stands in front of his locker more accurately, and says this, and I quote exactly, When you have a majority of Cubs fans in the stands, I don't know if that's a rivalry. They aren't going to like me for the comment, but look at the ticket sales. When they start to get a little closer and their fans sell out, then I think it's kind of the understanding of a rivalry he's talking about. So he was probably asked, you know, first game at Miller Park, what do you think of this rivalry? And he goes and downplays it. Says, well, it's all Cubs fans here. How can it be a rivalry? Okay, fast forward. Just a couple of days, Joe Madden steps forward, the Cubs manager, after the game, because Joe Madden is so wise and so all-knowing and smarter than everyone else. This is what he had to say, and I quote exactly. You can't just create a rivalry by writing that it is. It has to be felt, and it has to be proven over time, okay? I don't really know what Joe Madden knows about rivalries after being basically a non-contender in Tampa Bay most of his career and riding Mike Sosha's coattails to a... World Series win in the early 2000s. If you haven't checked, by the way, 
Joe Madden's career winning percentage just over 500. So, okay, yeah, Joe Madden cashing in his thoughts. I don't really care. And I'm sure Brewers fans don't as well. And then Travis Shaw got involved. Now, this is a lot of times when you have press conferences with players, they give a lot of cliches. You know, you've heard, you know, to God be the glory after the game. We just got to get a good night's sleep, get back out there tomorrow, that sort of thing, right? It's very rare that you hear a player speak candidly the way that Travis Shaw did, asking about this rivalry. If he thinks it's a rivalry and his take on the Brewers-Cubs, given that it's basically Wrigley North at Miller Park, this is what he had to say. I mean, it's hard not to notice it. It's 80% Cubs fans. I mean, it gets, I mean, it gets old. I'm not going to lie. It gets, it gets, it's kind of annoying. Um, we're, we're in a playoff race here. It's a big home series for us, and it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that um, out there at the game. So, I heard what he said yesterday. I mean, it is kind of. I think it is a rivalry, but at the same time, it'd be nice if we could get that to 50-50 in our home games. I mean, yesterday it, it felt like. I mean, it was well. It was well. Definitely, it was well noticeable. There was more Cubs fans than Brewers fans, and it, it's something that's common, but. Um, it does get, it, I mean, it, it does get annoying sometimes. And it's good to hear a player speak candidly because it's it's not real common. It's it's press conferences are a lot of cliches. There are a lot of things that you're used to hearing. So that's kind of been the back and forth. I wanted to give just a couple of points, a couple of my opinions about whether this is a rivalry. First of all, I'm not going to speak for you, Brewers fans. But I live and die when the Brewers are playing the Cubs. And this was the case back in April. This wasn't just the case this week. And it won't be just the case next week. This has been an all-season-long April or March, I guess whenever the first day was. I believe it was in April. All the way through September, October, however long this goes. When the Brewers play the Cubs in Wrigley or in Miller Park, I am living and dying with absolutely every pitch. These games, and I tweeted about it last week, these games take years off my life. It sometimes feels like. And these games have been so good, so well-pitched, and for the most part, pretty buttoned up, except for this last series on defense, and uh, making clean plays around the field, that they've been such good games to watch. And when you factor that in, the fact that Cubs fans care enough to drive the two hours north of Chicago, or however long it is, I guess I'm not really sure how long it is, to come up into Phil Miller Park, I think you're uh, I think you're a pretty safe bet to have a rivalry going on there. Also, if Cole Hamels cares enough to comment, I think you probably have a rivalry. And Joe Madden, I know he has just an illustrious managing career in blue blood teams, winning multiple playoff series. That's sarcasm. <laughs> in case you can't tell. I know it's a new show. I got to be transparent about that kind of stuff. Joe Madden cares enough to comment. I think it's probably a rivalry. It's kind of that thing where, why are you angry? I'm not angry. Why, am I, why are you saying that I'm angry? It's, it's kind of one of those scenarios. Travis Shaw speaking very candidly, and Travis Shaw is... Is just a very, he came across kind of as a sweetheart, for lack of a better word, in that interview. It's not that I felt bad for him, but I, I think you pretty much have to say it's a rivalry game. And I know it was closer to sometimes 70% Cubs fans. First of all, if you don't know the population of Milwaukee compared to Chicago, Milwaukee, just short of 600,000 people. Chicago, 2.7, getting close to 2.8 million people. So, you got to take that into effect and into account, excuse me. If you don't, I, I think you're just ignoring the facts in terms of 70% Cubs fans or whatever the number is at Miller Park. I don't know. But I will say one thing. When the Brewers walked it off on Monday, I believe it was Monday, 
and then won again on Tuesday, you could hear the Brewers fans. They were there. They weren't just trying to blend into the woodwork. They weren't just waiting out the storm of Cubs fans to leave. They were there. They were active. And you could hear the Cubs fans as well. But when cities are just a couple hours apart, and one city is 2.8, almost 3 million people who can all travel, you're going to have that. And I think that's healthy. When the Vikings are good, and when the Packers are good, fans travel back and forth. That's part of a rivalry, especially in a division. I just, this whole debate, I, I think it's open and shut. I, I really do. I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. If you give me a call or shoot me a text, I'd love to talk about it with you. You can also take to Twitter as well. Coming up in a couple minutes, we're going to be talking to Bart Winkler, and maybe we can put this rivalry case to bed. He is morning show host at 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. He's been at Miller Park, and uh, I, I honestly think that Bart feels pretty similarly to these games that I do. I think he enjoys them because they're good baseball games, but they're stressful. You live and die with every pitch, and it stinks. It really does because it takes it out of me as a fan. Marty chiming in on the five-star telecom talk and text line says, it's definitely a rivalry. I have friends from Illinois. They buy the tickets up so fast because it's cheaper here. Absolutely. And Marty, I don't think, I don't think we can ignore the fact that fans sometimes like to travel. I like to go experience other ballparks, no matter the team. I like to go experience other places. How many, how many people, when they retire, they like to travel to different ballparks? I just think it's an, the nature of sports. And when teams are so close and the games are good and they're competing for a, for a division or a playoff spot, absolutely. It's fun to come stay the weekend in Milwaukee, whether Chicago people like to admit it or not. Same reason they like to come to Lake Geneva or come up to Green Bay. It's a different experience. And I bet most Brewers fans would say, yeah, it's a cool experience to go down to Wrigley Field. It's cool to see the history and the ivy on the wall and, and, and enjoy something else for a change. As much as I love Miller Park, and I know most Brewers fans do. Thanks for chiming in, Marty. And it is cheaper. It's a different way to enjoy a game. I don't necessarily know if that's part of a rivalry. I think fans are always going to travel, especially when you have a major city so close and uh, the tickets are so cheap, like you said, and, and Brewers fans are willing to sell them off. Say, yeah, take it. I'll go to a different game. I'll sell my tickets and with that money, I'll buy three more tickets. I'll go to a game with the Giants this weekend, and I'll see a series with the Pirates. Stuff like that. It's not just about Cubs fans being able to take over the park. Because a lot of that is up to Brewers fans. And I don't think that has to do with the rivalry existing or not existing. So let's try to put this to bed. Except I want to talk about it next segment with Bart Winkler when he joins. To close the show today, and I wasn't very clear about this, I want to talk Packers as we move in to the final or the the final couple days without Packers football. The NFL obviously opening tonight. But we go into the final couple days without Packers football. That is a rivalry game with the Bears. We're all very excited because there's a lot going on. Aaron Rodgers making his return. Khalil Mack making his debut with the Chicago Bears. I guess we're all expecting him to play. I can't imagine he won't. Uh, Participation, we'll see how much he does and how effective he is. But he's definitely going to play, I would imagine. And the Packers in the offseason making a lot of acquisitions as well. Mike Pettin being one of them. And a lot of people, myself included, have come to the understanding and I think are of the belief that Mike Pettin was the most valuable offseason acquisition. As great as they drafted, I think, they added a couple really talented players to their secondary. As much as I like Muhammad Wilkerson to bolster that defensive line, and I love Jimmy Graham, I love Mercedes Lewis, I think they're going to help the offense immensely. But I think, and I think a lot of Packers writers and media members as well, think the most valuable acquisition was Mike Pettin. And over, uh, it was actually last night the article dropped, Michael Cohen of The Athletic got a chance to sit down with Jim Leonard, 
former player under Mike Patton, and now, of course, your defensive coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers, he had a chance to sit down and ask a couple of questions and maybe ask what we can come to expect and what we might get excited for from our new defensive coordinator, from the Packers' new defensive coordinator on Sunday night. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what that interview consisted of, read you some things that I really thought stood out, and I know you're excited as well about a new defensive coordinator, and it's coming from Jim Leonard. Come on, let's get excited. Packers, or excuse me, Badgers defensive coordinator as they continue their season on Saturday. So, Wisco Sports Show continues in just a couple of minutes. We're going to be talking to Bart Winkler from 1057 The Fan in Milwaukee. Is it a rivalry? Is it not? We'll finally put that to bed. Coming up next. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I'm your host, Grant Bills. 580 AM, 96.7 FM, or you're streaming live at WKTYsports.com. However you're listening, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate the company. Hope you're having a good Thursday. Joining us for just a couple of minutes here. Morning show from 105.7 FM, The Fan, co-host of Chuck and Winkler in Milwaukee. Bart, thank you for joining me. Does it feel good to be returning to lacrosse in some way or another? Yeah, anytime, man. I, I haven't been back to the city. I, I went to school there, so I haven't been back to the city in probably a year, maybe two. So, yeah, it feels like home anytime I can talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I forgot to mention that, yeah, you are a UWL grad as well. Spending all your time in Milwaukee, you got to hear and see a lot of interesting things, not only in Miller Park, but around and for people who are at the game. So this whole rivalry debate, I, I didn't hear you guys cover it a lot on your show this week, but what's the consensus about everybody commenting on whether this is a rivalry or not? It, it's a rivalry, and, and, and I liked what Craig Council said a pregame, I think on Tuesday. He said, look, why, why do we have to define it? These are good baseball games between good baseball teams. And, and the whole reason this started again was because Cole Hamels, who's new to this thing, came and, you know, says it's not a rivalry because of all these Cubs fans up here. So the debate got sparked again. You got two teams that are competing against each other. You got two fan bases that, that go at it. I mean, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, all right? And so after any of these games, after the last pitch, there is like 15 to 20 seconds of pure online silence. And then the storm hits where <laughs> if you're a Brewer fan or if you're a Cub fan, the next hour and a half of your life, if you've been spending time on Twitter, is getting in the same old fights with the same old people. So I think it is a rivalry. For sure. Now, will that change when, when these teams are bad or if one team is bad? I, I don't know. But as far as a rivalry, the Brewers certainly don't have any games that are this intense against any other team. And because of the proximity and the fans taking over, I would definitely qualify this as a rivalry. Ultimately, if it is or not, I mean, that's, that's your prerogative. But I would say yes. Yeah, that's that's up to semantics. I, I think that whole narrative has kind of been beat to death. With the Brewers off today, I, I needed something to get fired up about. You know, um, uh, after the Brewers win two of three, we're used to the Brewers losing series finales. I was talking about this. Look, the Brewers, in my mind, really haven't been competing for the division for like a week now. And when they won the first two, I feel like everybody got excited. What are your thoughts after the series? Are you upset? Or I feel like we're just kind of right back where we started in a good position to try to get a wild card. I'm actually, to be honest, surprised that it's just a four-game gap right now because I thought this division was going to be uh, well in hand for the Cubs at this point. You did. At the beginning of the season, yeah. And so the Brewers did what they did last year, which was overperform a little bit in the first half. But the Cubs did their typical July hot streak and acquired 
maybe more impactful pieces at the trade deadline, and now they're out in front. It was a gap coming into the series. The Brewers taking two or three certainly keeps it alive. But I, I, I proclaimed the NL Central for, for the Cubs way back in April, and certainly I put the final nail on the coffin at the All-Star break. Not to say that it's not mathematically possible. I just I, I don't foresee it happening. I think the Cubs are too deep and they're too good. And even when you do play your best baseball and get the first two from them, they come right back on Wednesday night and show just how good they truly are. So I, I think this is the Cubs division. You play for the wild card, you play for that home game, and then you try to do it again with the Cubs in the playoffs. And the thing that the Brewers have showed me is that while I do think it's the Cubs division, the way the Brewers played on Monday and Tuesday, that proved to me that if they're playing as well as they can, the Brewers, and if they're hitting on all cylinders, they could take the Cubs down in five if they get to that point. So I wasn't sure that coming into the series. But this series told, told me that. Now, what's going to happen at Wrigley next week? We'll find out because we're going to do it again here in, in four days. <laughs> Can't wait. I, I One thing that really jumped out to me in this series, just briefly, I loved having bats like either Travis Shaw or Moustakis, whoever's not getting a start. It was typically one of them was on the bench. And then a guy like Curtis Granderson off the bench. Players who have played in World Series and been on postseason runs as options off the bench instead of Domingo Santana in Keon Broxton. I wasn't thrilled about those acquisitions because it wasn't an impactful starting pitcher, but I got to say, I started to come around during this series and kind of appreciate the importance of those guys. And you're going to see a decision, a conversation we had on my show in Milwaukee on Monday, which was an interesting question, now seems like a no-brainer between Granderson and Thames. If you make the playoffs, you're going to have to trim this roster back down to 25. And I think you absolutely keep Curtis Granderson on there. And Eric Thames is a guy who's, who's been struggling. Our show, Grant, was so heated this morning because there are a lot of Brewer fans upset that Christian Yelich did not play oh, yeah. last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I'm not a lineup. I'm not a big lineup critic. You put the lineup out, it is what it is. If they're not in the game... There's probably a good reason for it. We still don't know the true reason other than he needed a day, and it had to be today and not Friday. I think the fact that the Brewers are off today made a lot of people upset. But we've been through this with with Ryan Braun, where the guy that you think should be in there is not in there. Lorenzo Cain has had days off. Nobody plays 162 anymore, and Christian Yelich is not in an off day since July 3rd outside of the team days off like today. So I didn't have such a problem with it. And then if you look at the, the game last night, the guys that filled in in his place, they went two for five and Granderson hit the home run. So last night was more about the pitching and defense, but it just shows that every decision that Craig Council makes, every play that the Brewers are involved in, they are intensified because where I'm at in Milwaukee, I don't know what it's like in the, in the western side of the state, and I, I'm, yeah. I can't believe it's permeated up to Green Bay. But even though the Packers are playing Sunday night, the Brewers are the story. This is what's captivating everybody, and this uh, whole debate over Christian Yelich and any other debate we've been having this week is proving why. Well, with the Packers, too, I feel like we've been talking about the same storylines for months now. With the Brewers, we get new stuff every day, and I think that partly drives the conversation, wouldn't you think? Yes, but the Packers are, I mean, the NFL, you only get 16 of these <laughs> yeah. And one is on Sunday, and it really, outside of the Khalil Mack buzz, I mean, I don't know how much we'd be talking Bears-Packers this week because the Brewers-Cubs thing has been so hot, and 
playoff baseball is so rare, even a pennant race or a wild card race. It, it, it has been rare historically for the Brewers. I think once we watch the game tonight, oh, yeah, football's back. And yeah. then we all sit down for the red zone Sunday. And then we see Lambeau Field on Sunday night. We'll get back into it. But right now, at least in Milwaukee, the Brewers are the number one. Yeah, and, and I kind of said the same thing. I think as soon as I start to watch football, I'll be I'll be locked into that again. Bart, I got I got to do something. Bart Winkler from 105.7 FM, the fan, joins the Wisco Sports Show today. I got to do something that I actually hate when radio and TV people do, but but this is important. What I despise is when you're interviewing someone, you rehash an entire take, you take a minute, and then kind of to brag to the person that you're interviewing, you're like, hey, listen to my take. And then ask for your opinion. Is that okay if I just bounce something off you and I want to get your reaction? No, I normally that, hate that, this. That's an okay technique. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, you can do that. Okay, okay. So talking about Joe Madden, he grinds my gears because of this. I feel like when I go on Twitter, which I am wildly addicted to and love spending time on, yeah. we, we hear Joe Madden quotes and we hear him talk and it's like we're all supposed to, we're too dumb to understand what the great Joe Madden could possibly be saying. We're Wisconsin hillbillies. We're the little brother to the Cubs. We don't understand Joe Madden. We can't possibly comprehend his baseball magician mind, so we should just be cast to the side. Is that the vibe that you get from Cubs just absolutely pushing down on the Brewers? Or did this last series, you think, get it a little closer? And are these two teams a little bit more respectable uh, in this rivalry now? I guess we finally decided that it is. There, there's a rivalry, but it's also, you know, it's like a little brother, big brother rivalry. Yeah. I mean, growing up, if you have brothers, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. And until the little brother, you know, breaks the older brother's high school football quarterbacking rating record, you know, it's always going to be in favor of the guy that's older. And the Cubs have been around longer. They've got as almost as many fans in Wisconsin, it feels like anyway, than the Brewers do because yeah. of their history and TV and, you know, the, the period with no baseball here. So it's, I think it's a big brother, little brother sort of thing, and that's where that vibe may come from when these players or Joe Madden talk about it. I, I still think that the Brewers, while I would define it as a rivalry, the Brewers to the Cubs are a little mosquito that flies around, or maybe they're a larger insect now, but <laughs> the Cubs can tolerate them for a little bit, and then it starts climbing up their legs, so they kick it away. But they are always able to kick it away. And the Brewers taking two, you know, there started to be a little more swarm, more more insects. And then on, on Wednesday, they used the raid and, and got rid of it. So until the Brewers overtake the Cubs, I mean, the Brewers haven't made a playoff series since 2011. And it feels like it feels like that's untrue because of how competitive they've been the last couple of years unexpectedly. Yeah. But until the Brewers overtake the Cubs, it will be little brother, big brother for as long as these two are fighting. Yeah, and I hate that. And good uh, good insect analogy as well. I had never thought about it like that, so that, that's definitely good. I, I want to talk Packers, but while I have you, because we the Packers do kick off on Sunday. As we prepared for this Packers-Bears game, just what are some of the things you're you're preparing to watch? I know the, the Packers, I checked today, or right now they're seven and a half point favorites, which makes sense at home. What are the, some of the things you're looking for? Not necessarily predictions, but how do you think Sunday's going to go? I think the Packers will win. I think what's happening here is they've got a quiet confidence up at Lambeau, and the Bears are doing a lot of the talking, and they're pretty rejuvenated already because of Khalil Mack. And, and I do think the Bears are going to be a quality team this year, and if things go right for them, they could wind up in the playoffs. But I do think they need just a little bit of a reality check as they're the little brother right now to the Packers' big brother. I'm looking forward to 
seeing how the Packers succeed by disguising coverages and by disguising routes. I'm looking forward to seeing what Mike Pettin does. Uh, he'll disguise a lot of coverages, a lot of blitzes. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to see the usage of the tight ends for Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of times where Graham and Kendricks are out there, or Graham and Lewis, or maybe even Tanyan if he's active. But you've got four guys that can play tight end and be used as a fullback and be used as wide receiver. And the way that they've been showing a little in preseason, they're going to try to do a lot of disguises as well as on offense and crossing routes and hidden, hidden slants and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to see what Mike Pettin can dial up against the Bears and to see how they exploit uh, maybe the Bears' defense with the use of their tight ends. And I do think the Packers will win. Yeah, you bet. I And I think I'm least homerish with my Packers takes. I think I'm more of a homer on the Brewers and the Bucks and maybe even the Badgers. But I, I will, and this is kind of the last thing I'll share, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP this year. And I, I would not be surprised if he came out on Sunday night and absolutely took the Chicago Bears to task because it's just what we've seen, especially at Lambeau Field. What do you think about the kind of the season as a whole for Aaron Rodgers? Before, before I let you go, could you see an MVP season in him this year? He does have a leg up because we know how bad it is without him. Now. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it a few games, but now we saw half a season where this team did not have Aaron Rodgers and how dreadfully bad they looked. And I do think as a whole, the team is better around him, but he does have a leg up. And if he throws 35 touchdowns, I mean, he's in it. And if he, th- if he gets even over 40, I mean, you might as well just send the trophy in the mail because Aaron Rodgers, you know how valuable he is to the Packers. As long as, you know, the media doesn't fall in love with, like, what Deshaun Watson might do yeah. or, or someone, one of these other guys, uh, Aaron Rodgers is certainly in pole position to win the MVP. And, and I would predict him, too, right now. If I had to take one guy, that's who I would take at this point. Yeah, maybe everyone will get injured, and then Tom Brady will just win it by default again, although I'd hate to see that. Bart, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time. Enjoy the uh, the Packers opener this Sunday. Yeah, you too, man. Good to talk to you. Yep, Bart Winkler joining us. 105.7 FM, the fan in Milwaukee. Uh, always good takes and always likes to get people riled up. He said he's a big Twitter guy, and that's part of the reason he's so entertaining, especially when it comes to rivalry games like Brewers-Cubs or Packers-Bears. And that's what I want to talk about coming up next. Michael Cohen for The Athletic, wrote a super cool piece. And if Packers fans out there, you haven't had a chance to check this out, or maybe you just don't have time, that's fine. That's why I'm, that's why I'm here. He sat down with Jim Leonard to talk specifically about Mike Pettin and maybe some of the things that we can expect coming up on Sunday night. So I'll share you with that. And also, I want to get Packers predictions and Packers thoughts. That's how I'd love to close the show. If we can get a couple people to chime in, 608-796-2558. Shoot me a text, a prediction, a bold thing that you think is going to happen Sunday night, you can also tweet at me at Grant or at WKTY. Let's wrap up with some Packers talk coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks one more time to Bart Winkler from 105.7 FM, the fan in Milwaukee, for taking a little time and giving us some Milwaukee perspective because after all, although I'm blown away each and every day by the support for the Milwaukee Brewers on this show and on Dave and Scrady's show, And the excitement, even though Packers uh, season is right around the corner, they are the Milwaukee Brewers. So it is nice to get a little bit of an inside perspective and uh, and another idea, uh, man, to kind of bounce things off of. Let's talk about the Packers before we wrap up today's show. Because I'm not going to be on tomorrow. Remember, we'll get you ready ready for the Badgers tomorrow with that Badger Roundtable show 5 to 6 right here. So I, I won't be on tomorrow, but that's fine. 
I feel like we've covered everything we need to today, especially when we when we wrap up with the Packers here. First of all, some good news on the Packers front, and that is they are just about as healthy as you could ask for heading into the season opener. Except for Jake Ryan, of course, and obviously in a perfect world, you'd like to have everyone 100%, but only one player, of course, outside of Jake Ryan, who's now on injured reserve, who did not participate in today's practice. Okay, so Oren Burks and James Crawford, who is that linebacker who is a a bubble guy who made it mostly because of special teams, which is good. You need special team guys. Oren Burks limited and James Crawford limited as well. But the fact that they were able to get out there and practice, even if it doesn't bode well for Sunday, bodes well for them well on their way back to playing. Josh Jones was the only player, the safety who did not participate, he sat out with an ankle today, which, if there's a place the Packers can't absorb an injury, that safety group is pretty few and far between, so it'd be nice to get him back, but it doesn't look like he's going to play, unless he has a dramatic turnaround today and tomorrow, of course. So Packers relatively healthy. That injury report was released like five minutes before we went on. I went on. So as we get ready for the Packers, by the way, I wanted to pass along the word. Hopefully, I'm going to be doing Facebook Lives on WKTY's Facebook page. After both the Badger game and the Packer game. Now, the Packer game is a Sunday night game. It's going to be pretty late, but I am going to hop on, uh, see what's on your mind, and hopefully we can get a little conversation rolling about hopefully a Packers win. You know, shoot the breeze back and forth about what you think, about what I think, and then maybe get some ideas on what we want to cover on our show next week. And I say our show because it's just as much your show as it is mine, and hopefully you'll be willing to chime in on Sunday night. So be ready for that. Maybe have a laptop or a phone ready. After the Packer game, kick back in your recliner, open Facebook Live, and hang out for a couple of minutes. Before I kick off today for the weekend, I did want to share a couple of things about the Mike Pettin, Jim Leonard article that was penned by, um, I'm blanking on his name, Michael Cohen of The Athletic. Now, this dropped last night. He asked him a bunch of questions, and I think some of the coolest ones were the ones pertaining to this weekend. So this is what he asked Jim Leonard to kind of set up the first answer. The Packers used their first three draft picks on defensive players, two corners, obviously Oren Burks, the the backer as well. Knowing what you do about Petten's scheme, what are some of the things that would be challenging or a little bit more difficult for young players to pick up right away when they're expected to contribute, as those players are? Mike Petten's show, or not show, system known for being a little bit more complex, a lot of moving pieces. This is what Jim Leonard had to say, and I think you're going to like this, Packers fans. So settle in. I'm going to read to you. Here you go. I think everyone thinks it's just this crazy, complex system. I think it can be. But the beauty to me of what Mike Pettin does is he really caters to his players. If they can't handle the load, he doesn't force it on them. He's going to find who his playmakers are, and he's going to feature those guys. And he's going to find his communicators, and he's going to use those guys really well. So as a rookie, a lot of times, you've just got to focus on you. You're not out there by yourself. There's going to be guys around you that can help you out. And you can really just focus on your technique and playing football. He's not going to put too much on those guys and bog them down and slow them down. It's just about playing fast in this defense and being confident in what you do. And I loved hearing that from Jim Leonard because we saw last year and the year before Dom Capers needing to get a lot out of rookie players. Packers have obviously gone defensive heavy early in the draft the last couple of years, and he hasn't really been able to squeeze every drop out of those players. So I think that bodes well. Jim Leonard saying, look, He's only going to ask them to do what he thinks they're capable of doing. And that's that's really good to hear, I think, as a Packers fan. And hopefully, he gets the most out of all of the players. One of his final questions that he asked is, we're running out of time here. Michael Cohen asked, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to watch a Sunday, nope, uh, Sunday opener against the Bears. But if there's a time when you catch a Packers game this season, as somebody who's played in the defense and knows it pretty well, what will you be looking for? What will you be interested in seeing? So this is what we might be able to expect coming from Mike Patton this weekend, in the words of Jim Leonard. To me, as a former player in the system and as a coach, it's trying to read between the lines a little bit and seeing who he's trying to feature and kind of how they're trying to attack an offense. I always thought that the beauty of what makes the system was. It's flexible enough 
that you can make it whatever you want to make it. That will probably be the biggest thing I want to see is how aggressive they play and kind of who is getting set up to make plays because that's honestly who has earned a lot of the trust over time to make those plays. So essentially, both of those answers saying Mike Pettin is going to come to trust guys, he's going to play to the strengths and know the strengths of all of his players and not ask maybe the greener players, a.k.a. the rookies, or maybe your Kyler Fackers of the world, he's not going to ask those guys or expect those guys to be world beaters. He's going to play to the strength of his defense. When Mike Pettin was hired back in February, I can't remember exactly when it was. I suppose it was January, right after the season. One of the things that I heard all the time, not only from guys like Bill Michaels, but writers, whether it was Packers beat writers or national guys, or people like Jim Leonard who had played with Mike Pettin, or played under Mike Pettin, or coached with him. He said, he is a guy who caters the meal to fit the ingredients that he has. Does that understand? So Mike Pettin's going to come in and say, okay, I got some, I got some, some, I don't know, some ground chuck, some cheese, some sour cream, some salsa. Okay, I got some beans over there. Maybe tonight for the game, let's make tacos and beans on the side. Instead of maybe Mike Cape or Dom Capers, who came in and said, all right, tonight I want to have a grilled ribeye and a chopped Caesar salad. Okay, here's what I got. I got a a bag of goldfish, a can of Diet Coke, and a fruit roll-up. Well, that's not really going to work. So you can't, as Packers fans love to say, try to fit a square peg into a round hole. You You can't do that. And I think one of the biggest things we've heard about Mike Pettin in relation and in comparison to Dom Capers is that he's not going to try to do that. He's going to find the players and find their their weaknesses and their strengths. And he's going to build their defense around that. Which, Packers fans, doesn't that sound like that's what a defensive coordinator should do, right? That that seems pretty common sense, right? But Dom Capers, obviously, I think was shown to be stuck in his ways over the last couple of years of his career in Green Bay. So that's the show. Get excited. I'm excited to watch Mike Pettin and all the new uh, shiny toys that the Packers have acquired over the offseason. And uh, who better to do it against than the Chicago Bears, and what a better time and place than Sunday Night Football at Lambeau Field. I'm excited just for football to be back, so enjoy Atlanta-Philadelphia tonight. You get the night off from the Brewers, so you can relax a little bit and really focus on the NFL. My name is Grant Bills. You've been listening to the Wisco Sports Show. We're now three weeks in. I hope you're enjoying the program. If you are, feel free to let me know or chime in anytime on that five-star telecom talking text line. When we come back next week, we'll be talking Packers. Obviously, the Brewers continue to hunt for the playoffs, and we'll have another Badger game under our belt, possibly an even more meaningful one, although the non-conference schedule can oftentimes be the exact opposite of daunting. Like I said, I'm going to trying to be hopping on WKTY's Facebook page to do some live video chats, both after the Badgers and the Packers. So once the game wraps up, grab your phone, grab your device, kick back, and come join in on a little conversation. Share your opinion. If you got questions, we can figure stuff out together, and I can't wait. A lot of good action to break down this weekend. I won't be on tomorrow. Badger Roundtable Show. Think of that as a pregame for the Badgers. I will be back Monday. Have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you then.